This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. And I'm going to read Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. And I need to do it quickly and get to this message to everybody. Thank you. Your service has been absolutely tremendous. And um, I wrestled. I wrestled. Um, I put a message together yesterday. Went back and got up this morning. And God said something different because he put the name Caleb in my spirit uh, on the airplane on the way here. And I haven't been able to shake Caleb. And so I got up this morning and I put this together. So I'm going to need to try to focus on what I'm doing so that I can say what I need to say and we can get out of here before three o'clock. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, 85. And yet I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, Give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims, the giants were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And the church said, as I read the passage, I thought uh, that uh, being where we were in, and in this atmosphere that you would feel uh, the text and that you would feel yourself in the text. I really felt that you would grab it when I said, I'm as strong now as I was then, that you would grab it when I said, give me this mountain, that you would grab it when I said that I'm able to go out and to go in. And, and there was a hush, there was a quiet in the building. But I want you with anticipation today to hear this word of the Lord as I preach to you from the subject. I want my mountain. I want my mountain. Tell somebody I want my mountain. It will not happen today unless you move your level of expectancy one more time to a level in which God can pour into your life. So I need you right now to pray with me. Father God, thank you right now for this opportunity to preach this word and to share with this your people. Prepare hearts that they might receive the word in good soil that it'll bring forth fruit 30, 60, and even 100-fold. Father, I pray that the word will remain in the hearts of these people when everything passes away, that your word will remain in their hearts. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put those hands together for the word of the Lord. This message is actually about practicing your faith. It has built in it deliverance, breakthrough, possessing plunder, plunder that leads to influence and reigning or dominion. So many Christians claim to have faith, but they don't practice their faith. And so this is why I share this message today. Uh, There's a story about three kids that were talking, and one of them said, my father is a um, doctor, 
and he practices medicine. Another one said, my father's a lawyer, and he practices law. And then one little kid stood up and said, my father's a Christian. He doesn't practice anything. <laughs> There's a lot of people um, who claim to be Christians, but they don't practice um, Christianity. So I want to give you a license today as I move in this thing. Actually, uh, just a temporary permit. I want to give you permission to be a little selfish. I want you to just know, just temporarily, I want to give you permission to be a little selfish because I've discovered that sometimes you have to become a little bit selfish, if only for a moment, to possess what God has promised you. You see, our deliverance comes with a promise. God said to Abraham, get out from among your kindred and your family, and I'm going to show you a place. And the Bible says he got up looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. But when I find it, God, you'll know it when you get there. But there's a promise, Abraham, that I've made to you. And the children of Israel, they were down in Egypt. And then God sent Moses down. He said, go down and tell them that I've come to deliver them. I've sent a deliverer. Tell Pharaoh to let him go, but then let them know that there's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It comes with a promise, deliverance and a promise. Even us as believers, we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of a mansion. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life, and that's forever. However long forever is, that's forever. So I believe that God has something in store for everybody that he delivers and everybody that he saves. If you are a child of God, there is an inheritance that you're entitled to. Plunder, if you will. In Galatians 3.29, it says this. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. I'm trying to bring you into the courts of heaven so that you can stand there legally and assured that God is just and that God has something just for you. An heir has a legal inheritance, usually based on relationship to the successor or to a successor. Our connection and our successor is Jesus. And we have um, this inheritance in him by faith, but we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died, you were in the will. You were in his will when Jesus died. The testament. It's not until the death of the testator that the testament comes into force. So when Christ died, everything that God had promised Abraham, if you then be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and you're heirs according to the promise. So whatever God promised the select group of people with the father Abraham as his head, God says, now that's available to you through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his death, burial and resurrection. Because he died, the testament is now in force. If you are in Christ, what is written in the will and testament of God belongs to you. So, if you're tired, say amen in between here somewhere. If you are an heir and have an inheritance and don't possess it yet, you may need to ask about it or you may even need to ask for it. And uh, even <clears throat> be willing to do whatever is necessary to get it. Jabez. How many of y'all remember Jabez? Jabez got a little selfish, right? So in 1 Chronicles 4, 9, here's what he does. 
His name means sorrowbringer. He brought his mother much pain. And then, you know, history has it. He's a noble man, but he's always known for pain and, and, and issues and struggles. But he says in verse number nine, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Notice what he said, bless me enlarge my territory let your hand be with me and keep me from evil every now and then i just gave you permission to be a little bit selfish if things are not going the way you want them to go in your life if you don't have the increase that you think you need to have right now if you don't have the favor that you don't think that you think you need to be walking in right now ask god for it jabez just said bless me god enlarge me god keep me from evil god do your work and do it in my life. God, every day I intercede on the behalf of others and I pray for others all the time. I've been taught to do that. But this day, God, I need you to do something for me. I need you to bless me indeed. I need 10 people to say amen. So when we get to Joshua 14, the children of Israel have not, um, uh, not just entered into the land, but they're now possessing the land. They've been in the land a while. And they're learning how to fight now. They're learning how to fight for themselves. In the wilderness, God did everything for them. And now they've got to fight for themselves. Notice how things change when you mature and you walk with God. God doesn't wean us off of him ever. We'll always be connected to him. He wants us dependent upon him. But he matures us so that we begin to act like him. And if you don't know who God is, let me give you another side of God you may not be familiar with. But in this church, I know you are. Our God is a man of war. And so God wants us to be like him, to imitate him. He teaches us then to fight. That's why he calls this the good fight of faith. He wants us to war, but not in the flesh, but he wants us to war. He wants us to stand. He wants us to put on the whole armor of God. So to this point, they have now won battle after battle in the promised land. But it's no longer God do something and then you show up. It's now you do something and then God will show up. And so this is what's happening. You missed that right across the top. I'm going to give me some money on that one. I'm going to bless myself over here. I'm going to put that in my pocket. See, in the wilderness, they followed miracles. But in the promised land, miracles follow them. See, God has given them decisive victories over enemies mightier than they were, Deuteronomy 7.1. When the Lord brings you into the promised land, as he soon will, he will destroy the following seven nations, all greater and mightier than you are. The Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Havites, the Jebusites, the Termites, the Shilites. He's going to destroy them, drive them out from before you, little and by little. But they're greater and mighty. God is moving on their behalf and driving out the enemies little and by little. But God is also working right now to defeat those enemies that are too much for them in this text. 
And so in our lives, he's working to defeat the enemies that are too much for us. And little and by little, things are being defeated in our lives. How many of you can see yourself growing from glory to glory? And the things that used to handle you can't handle you no more. The things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. The thing that used to get you so upset and bent out of shape doesn't even phase you anymore. Why? Because you and those seeds of those enemies are now being uprooted and God is moving in your life. Well, they are now at the point where they are to divide the land. God had made them a promise and each one of the nine and a half tribes would get this promised land and they would have their lot. And so they begin to divide the land. And guess what tribe came first? Mm, Judah. Uh, Judah is always first. Judah means praise. So there's always praise before we can expect to receive anything from God. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We came in here today not with bulls and goats and bullocks, not with turtle doves and pigeons. We didn't have to mess up our cars with the blood of, of dead animals, but we brought the sacrifice of praise with the fruit of our lips. And I'm telling you right now, if you you expect to receive anything even for the duration of the rest of this message you're gonna to have to first of all have a praise in your mouth and a praise in your heart you're gonna to have to first of all give something if you expect to receive something and I promise you it is more blessed to give than it is to receive so I just give God praise anyhow seven times a day will I praise him continually praise the Lord I rejoice in the Lord always again I say Rejoice. So we bring that sacrifice of praise. Well, Judah comes first. And when they come before Joshua, there's this old dude right in the midst of them that shouts out over everybody, 85 years old, give me this mountain. Can you imagine an old man, just the oldest one in the crowd, and he jumps up and they're dispersing the land. They're giving out, they're meeting out the property. And he jumps up, give me this mountain. Now, 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 his name is Caleb. He, he's a picture of the child of God who's not satisfied with just being in the land of promise. He's a little selfish, and he wants what's legally his as an inheritance. I wish we could see this. He wants it because God promised it to him. God promised it to him, and he wants it. God promises. Now, Pastor uh, Duchelle, uh, held out a $20 bill the other day and said this was available to you. He had worked hard to get it, and, and, and it's, it's yours, you know. And, and, and only one person jumped up to come and get it. I've got a $100 bill right here, and this is the same scenario. So then, <laughs> he is also a picture of the child of God who knows what God's promises are and won't stop until they have it. There is deliverance, there are breakthroughs, there is plunder and measures of influence and dominion that awaits every child of God, but you've got to want it. Caleb is also a picture of the child of God that won't give up until they have it in their possession, no matter how long it takes. Tell somebody, I don't have mine yet. Tell them, I don't have mine yet. Say it, I don't have mine 
get. Come on, y'all. I don't have mine. You do not have everything that God has fully promised you yet. You're not over yet. This is not where it stops, right here. So there's something else. So we all have an inheritance now and an inheritance yet. That's why we got that yet praise. I don't have it, but I'm going to yet praise him. So when God saves us, he promises us a life of victory. He promises us an abundant existence. Of course, we all know that this abundance existence is first spiritual. It's rooted in that joy unspeakable and full of glory. That, 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 that peace that surpasses all understanding. So this is our inheritance. And yet there are many still living in a spiritual desert, wandering around, defeated, depressed, no joy, no power, and no glory in their lives, and professing to be children of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want what God has promised me, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, don't get it twisted. You don't stop seeking him first. Uh-huh. You don't stop with Matthew 6, 33. It still exists. It still works. It seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added added unto you. Don't stop seeking him in order to get what he has for you. But if God is passing out anything to those who are heirs and joint heirs with Christ, then that's me. So like Caleb, I say, give me my mountain. I want my mountain. So the days of window shopping are over. The days of window shopping are coming to an end. You know what window shopping is, right? A man and his wife were talking one day and uh, the man said, why do you ladies always um, window shop? And why do you call it window shopping? You never buy anything. And so she looked at her husband. She said, well, you men, you go fishing. Why do you call it fishing? You never catch anything. <laughs> Come on, talk to me here. We've got to move beyond the window shopping and never buying anything. And we've got to move into possessing the things that we have seen that God has shown us and the things that God has promised us. Now keep in mind, Caleb was 85 years old when he said, give me this mountain. And we can learn from his life what it takes to finally possess what God has promised. So I'm gonna shift gears and give you these five things that we can learn from Caleb. And when we practice these things in our life, then we too can possess what God has promised us. Number one. Caleb was a risk taker. He was a risk taker. He would do whatever was necessary to lay hold on what God had promised. He was one of the 12 spies that entered into the promised land to spy out the land. And if you didn't know it, that was risking. If he's caught, he's dead. What are you willing to risk to get what God has promised you? This is why uh, this, is, this, is, this was their entering into the promised land, a type of window shopping. See it? See it? It's just like God said. Well, look at the pomegranates. Look at those grapes. Look at those big fat melons. Oh my goodness. It's yours but not now. And that's what window shopping is. Window shopping is just looking and saying, oh look at that. Look at that. Come, 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 come. Look, look, look. See? Oh, isn't that pretty? Oh. How much is it? How much is it? Oh, too much. <laughs> but it's not now. But then you start saving up and then you start going back and you start collecting and accruing funds and then one day you walk by, it's still in the window and it is your size. And now you walk back and go, look, 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 look. 
Look, oh, that's the same dress you showed me before. Yes, but it's mine now. It's mine now. And you go in, y'all not helping me here, and you purchase it. And so they saw it, and it was theirs then. But there were some things that kept them from possessing it. Look at the patience of this man, though. He wondered, you got to see this, 40 years in the wilderness along with everybody else. 40 years. It, with every, he knew exactly where the exit was to the promised land, and he never took it. He never took it on. Every year, every year, they would walk. Every year, exit. Uh, every year, they would walk. Every year, they would walk. Every, all of them together. And, and, and Caleb's been there, right? Caleb, that's the exit. That's the exit. That's, that's, that's the exit. That's, another year, another year. Everybody's walking. Doubt and unbelief. Everybody's afraid of the giant. Everybody's walking. But Caleb, who had another spirit, he looks at the exit. But he keeps going. He stays with the crowd. Why? He knew that his destiny was was tied to the corporate move of God for all of the people of God. He had an earthly leader that he needed to help him, that he needed to help him to possess what God had promised him. He had to stay with that leader until it was time to receive at the hand of that leader what God had promised him. So finally, it's time. And in Joshua 14, 12, Caleb said to Joshua, his leader, 14 and 12, now therefore, give me this mountain. How could Caleb say so boldly, give me this mountain? Sounds selfish to me. Was it there, uh, what was there about his life that didn't make his request unreasonable or appear to be too selfish? How could he make such a demand on Joshua when everybody was in line for their inheritance? How come he said over everybody, give me that mountain? That's my mountain. Number two, Caleb was committed. He walked closely with God. Joshua 14, 8, 9. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Benair to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. He wholly followed the Lord. Five times the Bible records these words about Caleb. He holy. What does holy mean? Holy means to close the gap. You're here in Africa like a hunter who's tracking his prey. He's closing the gap. He's staying in touch. He's not getting too far behind. He's keeping an eye out. In other words, he kept the distance between him and God to a minimum. And he always stayed in touch with God. He never lost sight of God. Caleb was sold out to God. No turning back from following God for Caleb. When Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain uh, with the Roman troops, he did something that's unheard of. The men got off the ships, and then he ordered them near the nearest mountain, and he had them climb this mountain. And they stood upon the cliff, and they were told to look forward. And while they climbed, they could not look back. And when they got to the top of the cliff, he said, now turn. And when they turned, all of the ships that had brought them there were on fire. Julius Caesar had set them Ablaze. He had deliberately eliminated any possibility of anyone retreating or turning back. So since they couldn't return, they had to now follow Caesar's orders and advance and conquer. And they did. Caleb 
had that same mentality. There was no quit in him. Too many of us are leaving ourselves an escape hatch, ready when things get tough to go back to our old ways thinking that because there's a challenge here or because there's no way of going back to where we came from easily we just fear up fall up keep that that safety hatch that escape hatch and we go back we keep the ways of doubt we go back to the ways of fear we go back to the ways of sin we start saying I can't do it it's too hard but they followed hard and they conquered and they plundered can I ask you a question is there anything too hard for God and I know some of you are sitting there right now and you're looking at me and you're listening and I hope this thing is getting down in your spirit but you need to burn the ships that brought you to this point and never go back you need to claim your mountain because God has promised it to you. Number three, Caleb was confident. Joshua 14, 12. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spake this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war both to go out and to come in. When did God make this promise? Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 34. Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give your fathers. Except Caleb the son of Juphanah. He shall see it. And to him and his children, I am given the land on which he walked because he holy, there it is again, followed me. Jephunneh's son wholly followed the Lord. Caleb had uh, the deed to the mountain because he had put his feet on it. He said that I'm giving him the land on which he walked. So Caleb had walked that land before. And when Caleb got there and they begin to disperse the property, Caleb looks and this land looks familiar. And Caleb had put his feet on that land. And God said, I'm giving him the land on which he walked. Caleb remember was a fighter he had the sword of the crown king in one hand and the deed to the property in the other hand in the form of a promise so Caleb was confident he had faith faith is not wishful thinking faith is acting on what God says faith is taking God at his word faith is believing that what God promised he shall do Caleb said I want my mountain this is my mountain he had Placed his feet on that mountain and wherever your soles of your feet was the promise will tread that's what I will give to you I will drive out before you the enemies little and by little but it's not going to come to you you're going to have to get up and go to it you're going to have to tread where you've never tread before you're going to have to go in faith you're going to have to go believing you can't be intimidated you can't be afraid you can't shrink back you can't have an escape hatch you can't Try to run when it gets tough. When it gets tough, you're going to have to stand. And after you've done all the stand, stand. Notice it's a matter of your feet. Beautiful are the feet of them that bring glad tidings and good things. God has something about the feet. Take your shoes off. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. You've got to walk to walk and talk to talk. This is about people who want to practice their faith. This message is about people who wants to practice Christianity. This message is about people who want to fight. This message is like people like Gideon. The Gideon that we know was a scared 
red-haired man who was threshing wheat in a wine press. But God said, you mighty man of valor. And to get to the end of the story, he goes out and fight. And they said, the sword of the Lord and Gideon, the sword of the king and Gideon. It takes God and man to get anything done. It takes God and man to make something happen. Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? It takes God and man to move mountains. It takes God and man to back off the enemy. It takes God and man. God works with us, but we've got to supply our faith. We got to get up and do something. We got to arise and reign. You've got to get up, rise, shine, give God the glory. You can't sit there like a crocodile by the rivers and busy. You can't sit there looking like you're dead. You can't sit there looking like you're defeated, like you don't have a prayer, like you don't have a friend in the world. If you want what God wants and has for you, then you have got to get up. He said, I'm going to give you everywhere that you place your feet. He said, I'm giving him the land that he walked on. You got to walk it out. Tell somebody, walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. Number four, Caleb was courageous. Somebody say courageous, courageous. He faced every obstacle head on. God told him, he had told them earlier when Joshua took over for Moses. And I saw that last night on the stage with the young men and the young women that are going to be taking over. When we're gone, when they receive that baton and, and when we're off the scene, he says, only be that strong and of a good courage. Courage. What makes the lion roar? Courage. What makes the eagle soar? So you got to understand, you can't be afraid. You got to be like the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. I do believe, I do believe, I do, I do, I do. If you don't know what I'm doing, Google uh, Wizard of Oz and uh, go back to the History Channel. You'll probably find it. But when I was growing up, the greatest movie that was ever made and still to this day, I do believe, I do believe, I do, I do, I do. Courage, courage, courage. We need courage. Be courageous. When they entered into the land, 10 spies saw themselves as grasshoppers amongst the Anakims, amongst the giants. But only Joshua and Caleb saw themselves the way God saw them. So Numbers 14, 21, it says, but my servant Caleb had a different attitude or a different spirit than the others have. He has remained loyal to me for Follow me wholly. So I will bring him into the land that he explored. I will give him what he was shopping for in that window. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. And those who are descendants of him shall possess their land. That's why those of us who are matured, we need to, for on the behalf of our descendants, be all that God wants us to be. On the behalf of our descendants and those who will receive our inheritance, we need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We've got to have something to leave something. You've got to leave something to the next generation and you won't get it unless you're courageous, unless you can see what God sees in you. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see today. See what God sees in you. Be who God says you are. Do what God says you can do and have 
what God says you can have. He wants it so that he can establish his kingdom. He can establish his covenant in the earth that others might be able to come in to be able to put on something like last night, one night of stadium worship to where people who will never set foot in a church could set foot in the presence of a holy God because the people of God were there and where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. How about 15, 20,000 gathered together in my name? The Lord was in that place last night. The Lord is in this place right now and somebody needs to act like you know who he is. They are giants in all of our lives. They're giants of fear and giants of discouragement and giants of lack and giants of opposition that's trying to keep us from possessing what God has promised. But I dare you, double dog dare you, to be courageous and to keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the contradiction of sinners. He went through what he went through. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He handled it. He was rejected. He was despised, but he kept on going. And there are people that will reject you, despise you, simply because of your faith in God. But you got to keep on going. If they leave you in prison and throw away the key, I wish Joseph was here. He'll tell you after a while, whatever God promised, it's going to come to pass. Because the word that Joseph received had to be tested until it came to pass. And I'm telling you right now, if you have a promise from God, it's going to be tested until it comes to pass. If you got a sure word from God, it's going to be tried until it comes to pass. If God ever whispered in your ear something in private, he says, I want you to announce it on the rooftops in public because it's as good as done. If God ever makes you a promise, the promises of God are yea and amen in him. If God ever told you that you're going to be somewhere, start packing your bags. If God ever told you that you're going to have that child, then go ahead, Sarah. Leave Hagar alone because that baby's coming from your womb. God has a way of making promises and backing them up because I told you there's nothing too hard for God. God doesn't need anything. I said God doesn't need anything. God can take nothing and make something out of it. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God takes those which are not to bring to naught those that are. God knows what he's doing. Some of y'all, you don't think you have nothing. You don't think that you supply anything. And God said, that's exactly what I need. I need your nothing and I need your no thing. And I need you to realize that I can make something out of nothing. If I had about 55 people here who know that you were nothing, that you were lost, that you were bound, that you were confused, that you were you were cursed but cursed is he that hangs on a tree and when Christ died and you put your faith in him look at you now tell somebody look at me now look at me now I'm free I'm free look at me now so Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The joy was set before him. The joy of us being in this conference this week that there'll be people that will believe on him. That his death, burial, and resurrection will produce some things that except the grain of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But my last point, and I'm going to release you from this place today, number five. Caleb was a conqueror. He was a conqueror. This mountain is the mountain of Hebron. 
Hebron, from some of you who are from Africa, Hebron is this mountain. It's the mountain of covenant. It is the highest and the toughest mountain to climb. I don't know what the Pastor Tom understands this about Hebron, but uh, it's easier for a 60-year-old man to climb Mount Kilimanjaro than for a 40-year-old man to climb Hebron. I'm throwing off on him. I'm trying to help y'all. Y'all like y'all scared to laugh. I said it is easier for a 60-year-old man to climb Mount Kilimanjaro than for a 40-year-old Caleb to climb up Mount Hebron. And when I said that, Pastor, everybody cut their eyes over to look at you to try to see if it's okay to say amen. But look this way right here and say amen. <laughs> amen. Because Hebron is a tough place. It's greater and more treacherous than even Kilimanjaro. Notice that word, pastor asked me, I turned 60 a few months ago, a couple of months ago, not even that long ago, and he asked me, what was I gonna do? Was I gonna climb a mountain? I said, the devil is a liar. Uh, I, he said, what about, where's your Kilimanjaro? I said, listen to the word, I do etymology. Kill a man, Jaro. No, I am not climbing Kilimanjaro. Uh, so, so, so I don't have that mountain at 60 that he had. I don't have the mountain at 40 like Caleb had, but he climbed it at 40, and now he's 85. Last verses. Listen to it. Joshua 14.10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. I wish we had some people that were once young and now you're old, but you can fight now as well as you did back then. I wonder if there's some people that learn back then you could lean on your own physical prowess and your strength. But when you get old, you learn how to trust in the God who fights your battles anyhow. The older you get, the wiser you ought to be. And the older you get, the easier the fight ought to be. Because the older you get, you realize that it was not you that brought you out of that situation. It was not you that got you through that trouble. It was not you that carried you through that fight. Matter of fact, he follows us in the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to fear any evil, for he's with us. Goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. Goodness and mercy follows us all the days days of my life. Even if you try to turn back, even if you try to walk away from God, you'll bump into goodness and mercy. And that's what keeps some of us in the faith. Because when we try to leave God and we turn around, goodness and mercy is standing right there. And when we see how good God is being and how merciful he's being, we turn right back around and we get back in the race. I'm preaching better than y'all looking at me. God puts goodness and mercy on our trail. So I'm closing with this. He met God on that mountain and he made covenant with God there. When you conquer a mountain, you can claim that mountain. You can say, now that's my mountain. And that's what Tom Duchelle did. Kilimanjaro is my mountain. Wasn't too tough for me. 
<laughs> I handled it. People would say that you can't make it. People would say that when you get a certain age, it's too daunting. But this man trained, got together with his young boy, Tommy. I can see Tommy. I can see Tom Jim. I can see him climbing the mountain. I mean, my God, I can see him doing anything. Tommy to me is like Tarzan. I've been on some trips with him. I went up to Big Falls with him, and he's climbing over the falls on the rocks, not afraid. And no, most of the Tarzan movies were shot right up there at Big Falls. And so he's over the mountains. And I'm like, Tommy, come back. Tommy, don't do it. Tommy, we went out on Lake Kariba, and we're out on the lake, and he's diving off the top of the boat into the middle of the crocodile-infested Lake Kariba. What is wrong with him? Only Tarzan can do that type of thing. Oh, my God. Oh, Only Tarzan can do that type of thing. So he's like Tarzan to me. And so you got to see this because when you conquer a mountain, you can claim that mountain. You can say, that's mine. Everybody has obstacles and everybody has trials and, and things they go through that seemingly is there to keep them from their promise. Noah had his flood, but God landed him safely in that ark. Samson had his Philistines, but God gave him one final victory. The Hebrew boys had a fire, but God wouldn't let them burn. Daniel had a den of lions, but God gave the lions lockjaw. Paul had his thorn, but God gave him grace. Jesus had his cross, but God exchanged it for a crown. And today he is the crown king. Glory be to God. And each one of us in this room today has a promise. And, and now it's time to possess it. I don't know about you, but I want my mountain. Tell somebody I want my mountain. I want my mountain and I want my mountain right now. But now you know that in order to get your mountain, you've got to take risks. You've got to do what you've never done before. You've got to go where you've never been before. You've got to say what you've never said before in order to get your mountain. Number two, you have to be committed. You've got to stay steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You got to be like that tree planted by the rivers of living waters that know you're going to bring forth your fruit in your season. But if you ever grow up where I grew up, I grew up in the state of Florida. There's nothing in Florida but palm trees. That's our national tree. And those palm trees have bends in them like this. And most of them are leaning just a little bit because they've been through hurricanes that came off of this Africa coast over here. Y'all stop sending them hurricanes to Florida, please. My tool deck gets tore off and windows get smashed and stuff gets flooded. Please keep your hurricanes to yourself. But anyway, the hurricanes will come and bend the trees. And when the winds would blow, the trees will get locked in. They'll bend, but they won't break. Good God Almighty, I'm telling you, you got to bend, but don't break. Tell somebody, bend, but don't break. Stay committed. And then you got to be confident. Be sure. I'm confident in this very thing. He that have begun to work in me shall perform it unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are confident today that what God started, he's going to finish? How many of you are confident today? This is the confidence that we have, knowing that if we ask anything according to his will, then we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions of the things that we ask. Be confident in that. And then you must be courageous. 
courageous, courageous. You've got to be brave because lastly, you need to be a conqueror, but even more than a conqueror through him that have loved us. And did I tell y'all that Caleb was from the land of Judah? He was from the tribe of praise. When Joshua died and they were facing the mighty Canaanites without their leader for the first time, they were standing there and the Bible says who will go and fight for us? Who's going to be the first to go up against Canaan? And then the Bible says, send Judah first. Good God Almighty, send Judah first. If you're going to fight, if you expect to win, you got to send Judah first. What does Judah mean? You already know where the praisers, where the folk that know how to shout when there are other people's in doubt. Where the people that know how to say, Lord, I need you right now. They were surrounded in the valley and the armies were coming against them. And Jehoshaphat sought the Lord and the spirit of the Lord moved on Jehaziel. He stood up and said, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. You will not have to fight in this battle for the battle is not yours. It is the Lord. But what are we going to do? How are we going to fight all these people? He said, get the tenors, get the altos, get the sopranos, get the baritones, one or two monotones, get the choir together and go out and sing. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Send you the first. Did I tell y'all that Jabez was from the land of Judah? Jabez got a little selfish that day, but he knew that in Judah was the promise. That in Judah was coming forth the crown king. That in Judah he was going to get the victory. Send forth your praise. Because remember, any plunder and any spoil that you receive has the sole purpose of glorifying God and establishing his kingdom. Last verse on the screen, and I'm going to put the mic down. First Chronicles, put it up there. Chapter 26, 27. Some of the plunder taken in battle, they dedicated for the repair of the temple of the Lord. When you get blessed by God, it's that you might be a blessing even to the kingdom. So it's blessed me, Lord, so that I can bless somebody else. It's blessed me, Lord, so I can bless somebody else. It's blessed me, God, so I can bless the temple. It's blessed me, God, so I can sow into the ministry. It's blessed me, God. I need about 55 people who want your mountain to right now jump up on your feet and begin to place your feet where God has sent you by faith step on it by faith climb it by faith possess your mountain and listen to me come on as I as I finish this in lieu of time I understand what God is doing and I understand that there are many of you who need to begin to practice the things that you've heard this week I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's many of you who need to believe that you can arise and reign I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are many of you that have left a safety hatch that if it gets too difficult you'll go back 
I understand that there are many of you that don't think you have what it takes. Nobody's ever said to you, you can do it. The others around you that have seen the giants, that see themselves as grasshoppers. But I've come today to tell you that you can have a different attitude. You can have another spirit with you. And you can't let the doubters in even your own house keep you from receiving what God has promised. I said to you that sometimes you have to get a little selfish. And I gave you a temporary permit today to be a little selfish. And say, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, oh Lord. It's me. And enlarge my territory. Increase me. Because now we know what to do with the plunder when we get it. And now we know legally that there's some things that are ours. And now we know that we are who God says we are. We can do what God says that we can do. Now we know we just take risks and stay committed and be confident and have courage. Now we know that we can be more than conquerors through him that have loved us. We know these things. Now, like the lawyer practices law, like the doctor practices medicine, we the people of God need to practice our faith. Come on, y'all. We need to practice our faith. You are in a wealthy place. You're not shooting a cannon from a canoe. You are a battleship. And the sound of your cannons are going to be heard all over the world. God is doing something mighty in the midst of this nation as a picture of what he can do anywhere in the world. If God can do it in Zimbabwe, God can do it anywhere in the world. Thank you, Zimbabwe. Thank you for allowing us to come and be with you. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Thank you for allowing Bishop Mark and all the other preachers and speakers and William McDowell and everybody to come and to be in your lives. But I want you to know that that door came open through the obedience of your leader. And I told you he's a big piece of magnet that is as a base as anybody I've ever met. Because if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he's the one that will exalt you in due time. And if you don't seek exaltation, then everything you receive from God is a blessing and surprises you. But you have to expect it because you have an inheritance. Because if you then be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And the promises of God are yea and amen in him. And I just want you to know that he's here right now. He's here. Lift your hands to heaven. He's here right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I speak an apostolic patriarchal blessing over the lives of these people that everything that was spoken will manifest in their lives. That they will become that which you purpose, even if it takes a while even as Caleb waited 45 years, even as he could have gotten off and taken an exit, but he knew that his destiny was tied to the corporate hole and that there was a man of God in his life 
that would one day be responsible for him receiving that which you promised. I pray, God, that people receive that message. And I pray that there's nobody that'll get off at the next exit simply because they know there's some stuff for them. But help us to be corporate-minded, for there you command the blessing and life evermore. So, Father, we thank you for Celebration Church, and we thank you for this action conference this week. Now we seal this word up in our hearts, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.